Morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Uh, it's an awesome day outside, right? Just amazing. It's supposed to be like 73 and sunny today. Uh, I'm pumped uh, for Family Fun Day. You know, I imagine that for many of you, uh, coming to church today brings uh, all sorts of mixed emotions. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's been a while since you've been in a church or a church in an elementary school. Uh, maybe you've never been in a church before. Uh, first of all, I just want to say from the beginning, that's cool here. Uh, there are people who come here regularly uh, that are just checking out God for the first time. That's the kind of church uh, that this is. But maybe this week, as you were kind of thinking about Family Fun Day and thinking about coming, you might have had all sorts of thoughts running through your head about what this was going to be like. Maybe you were excited for free cheese curds. Uh, maybe you were excited for free roasted corn. Uh, maybe, maybe you were just even excited for the service itself to just, I don't know, start seeking God again. But I imagine for others of you, the idea of church, even the idea of, of God brings up uh, confusion, uh, potentially even resentment uh, or, or, or bitterness. I just want you to know, I've been thinking about you the last couple weeks, and I've been thinking uh, particularly about how, why is it that so many people in America have stopped going to church? Why is it that, even more seriously, that so many people in America aren't sure what they think about a God anymore? And I started thinking, well, this is my life. You know, uh, the first 18 years of my life, the first half of my life, uh, I spent ignoring God. Uh, I thought that being a Christian was uh, totally lame, uh, and for, for losers, I think is probably how I would have stated it, and uh, the last thing that I wanted to do was start living for God, or something like that. Now, obviously, my mindset has changed, right? <laughs> and, and it's still the same, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Looking back now, I look at my life, and I know that the reason I was so opposed to God was because, in truth, I had a misunderstanding of who God really is. To me, back then, God was just some guy in the sky who demanded that I follow a bunch of rules. And honestly, I felt like I had better things to do with my time, right? And, and maybe you agree with that sentiment. But at one point in my life, I had to be honest with myself, and I had to ask tough questions, and I had to go, how much do I really know about God? Like, have I ever read the Bible myself? No, I mean, not really. Have I ever really uh, studied or looked into God? Like, I sat in church some, but I don't know, like a lot of people, I just never listen, right? I had a ton of thoughts on God and who he was, but I never actually really looked into it. But it's like, how would you feel if I had a thousand thoughts on who you were, but I never really knew anything about you, right? You'd say, hey, get to know me. Do your research, right? I'm cooler than that, or <laughs> whatever, right? And when I started reading the Bible for myself, here is what I found out was at the core of my misunderstanding. See, I always thought that Christianity was like a religion. Now, you can define religion in all sorts of ways, but for our purposes today, we're going to define it like this. That religion is this. Religion says you need to work your way up to earn, with all your good deeds, to earn God's love. That's not the message of Christianity. Christianity is God loved you first, so he came down and offered you his love. And he came down in the form of his son, Jesus. And I want to just spend some time this morning contrasting those two. And, and most importantly, talking about who God really is. Because Christianity is different than every other religion in the world. See, most religions are based upon your good deeds and your bad deeds. Most religions say that in order for you to enter heaven, 
or the afterlife, or some would say in order for you to get a good reincarnation, at the end of your life, that your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds. I think this is how the average person on the street thinks about God and heaven. This is how pop culture thinks about God and heaven. I think plenty of people, even churches, have distorted Christianity to look more like something like that. Maybe that's even how you think of Christianity. Like, if you just do enough good deeds, and you go to church enough, and you make sure that you don't murder anyone, then at the end of the day, you could work your way up to heaven. You could turn green and positive, right? And then you could, you could get there. Let me just say this bluntly. That is not Christianity. That's religion. Right? Religion turns people off to God. That turns me off to God. Honestly, I think that's depressing. Here's why I think it's depressing. I know how sinful I am. I know that in my life, I would not be positive in the green. I'd be negative in the red. And if that's how life works, then I'm not interested in that, right? You just look at religion and Christianity. If that religion line is true, and I need to work my way up to God with my good deeds, honestly, that just makes me want to hide from God or, or, or run from God. Or, or if I don't hide or run, I'll do what a lot of other people do, and I'll just pretend that I, because I feel like, oh, I'm never going to make it, I know it. So then I'll just pretend that I'm some fake version, some polished version of myself, and I'll walk around saying, hey, how are you? I'm having such a good day. God is so good. Bless you and God. And, right. and just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo. Right? You know people like that? People do that because they feel like, oh, i got to earn it, and I don't feel like I'm earning it, but maybe I could show the world that I'm earning it. Right? That's not who we are at this church. And see, this type of religious thinking that you've got to earn your way up to God couldn't be further from the truth of what Jesus actually teaches in the Bible. If you don't believe me, think of it this way. Okay, what is the most basic symbol of Christianity? Shout it out. What is it? The cross. Okay, and what's the cross? Who died on the cross? Jesus died on the cross. Now, did you ever think of this? If God determines who gets into heaven based upon how good you are, then why in the world would he have his own son die on the cross? What does that even have to do with it? Well, let's look to the actual Bible. Um, we're going to look at a letter today from uh, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, John, that he wrote to some early Christians. Here's part of what he wrote. This is from 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 9. He says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. But you realize how different that is from religion. It's saying you and I, we're not good enough on our own. We can't earn our way up to heaven. But God sent his own son to die in our place as a sacrifice. That's what it says. That he took our punishment for us. And later the Bible will say in other places that if you believe in him, then he would take the punishment off of you and onto his son and you can be forgiven. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. See, but the Bible's teaching is this. It's not about you working your way up to God. It's that God already came down, and he offered you his love. He's offering you forgiveness and love. And that is so different from religion. I Think of it this way. Sometimes people, when they talk about God, they call God like our heavenly father. 
So let's just think about some earthly fathers. Okay, let's say you have a dad who's never satisfied with you. Anybody have a dad like that? You, 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 you work hard in school, and you get good grades, and you brought home your report card to show him, and he kind of goes, eh. You get your first full-time job, and your dad looks at you and says, when are you going to get a real job? Right? You, you get your first house, and you're really proud to move in, and your dad says, oh, this is just a starter house. And I was like, what do you got to do just to hear good job from somebody? Just to hear, I love you. See, when people have fathers like that, almost inevitably, they drift away from their dad over time. Why? Because at the end of the day, you feel like your dad just doesn't love you, and he's not going to love you unless you hit some ridiculous standard of perfection or something. And let me just tell you, that is exactly why a ton of people have walked away from the church and from God, because they picture God like that sort of father, like they need to keep working their way up to earn his approval and that they're just never going to be good enough. I mean, what's worse than trying to prove yourself to someone never knowing if they actually love you, right? Why would you want, I mean, why would you want, I get that. If that's who you think God is, I wouldn't want to follow that God. But just listen to me. That is not who God is. This is what the Bible teaches. Later in the same letter, John the disciple writes this. He says, we love each other because he loved us first. Would you just say that with me? He loved us, what's that say? First. He loved you first. This is not religion. Think of it this way. When, when my kids were babies, I could hold one of them on my knee, and I could just look into their sweet, loving eyes yeah, I love them so much, and that even though they were an infant, let's just be totally honest, they couldn't really deeply love me back, right? Like, you ever, like, hold an infant on your knee, and you say, ah, I love you, and they look back at you and just go, and spit up all over <laughs> you, right? Like, oh, thanks, right? I, I, I could be in my bed at night, lying awake in pain, maybe physical or, or emotional, and they're just sleeping soundly in their crib, right? Even if I were to die, scientists say that they, the infant would probably forget about me within the week. That's hard to say, but it's, it's true. And yet, even though they can offer so little in love back to me, I already love them more than they could ever know. And why? Because of what they've proven to me? Because of how they've earned my love? No, I just love them because they're my child. And that is how God feels about you. See, that's what the Bible's talking about when it says, He loved you first. This is about Him coming down, not you working your way up to His love. Author Ken Geyer tells a story about this little girl who lived at the edge of the forest. And one day she decided that she was going to wander off by herself into the forest, kind of explore some of the dark secrets of the forest. Well, she was walking and walking and walking. And you know, lots of times when we explore places, we never actually look behind us to see where we're going. And she kept going into the denser, deeper forest. And eventually she realized, 
I don't know where I am. And she completely lost her bearing. She tried to turn around, but she was just going further the wrong way. And darkness started to fall upon her. And eventually her, her wailing and her sobs just lulled herself to sleep. She fell asleep in the middle of the forest. Well, that same night, her family and her friends and a ton of volunteers, they got a search party together, and they began to just comb the forest looking for this little girl. It was almost the middle of the night. They couldn't find her, and so they, they gave up for the night. Well, her father was one of the first people to wake up even before the sun was up the next morning. As the sun was coming up, he was out in the forest, and he caught a glimpse of his little girl just lying motionless on a rock. And so he just started sprinting over to his little girl. And as he got close to her, it startled her awake. And she woke up, and she saw her dad, and she jumped up, and she wrapped her arms around him. And she just started saying this phrase to him over and over and over again. And she kept saying, Daddy, I found you. I found you. I found you. I just think that's my story, right? That's our story, that we, we've wandered, and at times it's been painful, maybe scary, maybe hard, and maybe we feel like we're just starting to look for God, but I just assure you, he loved you first, that he's never given up on you, and that he's been looking for you this whole time. See, I believe that his love is proven to you by the very basic symbol of Christianity, the real symbol of the cross. Uh, the Apostle Paul was one of the early leaders of Christianity. He says it this way. He says, but God showed his great love for us. How? By sending Christ, this Jesus, to die for us while we were still sinners. Okay, think about what this verse means. I'll tell you what it means. It means that before you were born, that God had already seen all of your life. He had already seen all the mistakes you've made, all the future mistakes you will make, and he loved you so much after seeing you at the worst of your worst that then he said, I love them so much that I'm going to send my own son Jesus to be murdered for them on the cross to die in their place. That's how much he loves you. He loved you first. Before you were born, he loved you first. No matter what you've done, he saw it already, and he loved you first. Right? This is not about you working up to him. It's about him coming down for us. But the verse we just read, it said, he showed his love by sending Christ to die in our place, to die for us. What does that mean, in our, in our place? Why does Jesus even have to die for me? Uh, let me explain with a story. A long ago, uh, there was a man uh, named Shamil. And uh, Shamil was a leader of a group of people that were, uh, lived in a communist country, and they were trying to uh, overthrow an evil dictator. And so their group traveled around, and you know, they were persecuted and hunted, and so they, they even took their families with them. Well, times are rough. And what happened was people in their group began to steal from their own food and supply tent. And because food was scarce, they needed to ration, Shamil made this decree and he said, all right, the next person who steals from our own supply tent is going to be publicly whipped. So the decree went out. 
the next day, his lieutenant comes and informs him and says, sir, we just got word someone's stolen from the supply tent again. So Shamil gets out the word to everybody, and he says, all right, assemble everybody. We're going to have the public whipping. And everybody begins to get assembled, and they're all almost there. And one of the lieutenants nervously comes up to Shamil and says, sir, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, the person who was stealing, it was your elderly mother. And now what do you do, right? And so he gets there. Everyone's assembled. His own elderly mother is already tied up to the post. Shamil addresses the whole group, and he says, all right, the crime was stealing from our food and supply tent. And the punishment for that crime is a public whipping. And then Shamil himself walks over to his mother, his own mother, And he takes off his shirt, and he covers her body with his own. And he says to his lieutenant, begin the whipping. See, and in that way, justice is still satisfied. Right? No, no one's questioning Shamil's integrity, right? Or what kind of leader he is. And his love for his mother is still proven. The penalty was still paid, but it was paid by Shamil himself. And that is exactly what God was doing when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. See, God can't just bend the rules and say, oh, yeah, you guys, we've all sinned, but uh, why don't you just sneak into heaven? No, justice must be carried out for our sins because they're serious. But he loves you so much that he didn't want the punishment to come on you. So he sent his own son Jesus to offer to cover you to take the punishment for you so you could be forgiven and go to heaven and start a relationship with him. But the Bible is really clear that that sort of love, that sort of forgiveness, that that's not automatically granted to everyone. That's an invitation that sits in front of you, right? Because God doesn't force you to do anything. You have free will, and so you, you get to decide, do I want to believe that Jesus did that for me and let him cover me and start following him with my life, or do I not want to believe that? But to believe that requires you laying down your crown and following him. We've been in this uh, teaching series called Abdicate. Abdicate is to relinquish or to renounce the throne. Uh, this is in history when uh, kings or queens would say, you know what, I'm just not fit to be on the throne anymore, so I'm going to step down and let one more worthy than me come and sit on the throne. And see, that is what God is asking of you today. That if he died in your place, if he truly loves you that much, that this is the time in your life where you say, hey, you know what? I believe that. And I want to accept that gift. But that means I've got to get off the throne of my life. That I've got to say, if you love me that much, then you are worthy to sit on the throne of my life. And I want to follow you. And if he loves you that much, if that's who he is, then it's worth it. It is so worth it to follow him. But this is a decision that every single person has a choice to make. I often like to tell people that the death rate uh, in the United States of America is still holding steady right around 100%. And so that means that all of us, all of us are going to die. 
as much as we don't like to think about it, right? And we're going to spend billions upon billions upon billions of years in one of two places, in heaven or hell. You see, God loves you so much, no matter what you've done, that he sent Jesus to cover you so you could be forgiven, so you could go to heaven, so you could follow him now. But if you say with your life, you know, I don't think I believe that. I'm just going to wear the crown. I'm going to go my own way. Then there is no one covering you. And then the Bible tells us that then we don't go to heaven. Then we go to hell where justice is served. And I just beg of you, I beg of you this morning, let God in his love cover you. Start following him. This is the, probably the most important truth of the Bible. John 3, 16 to 17 says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, you don't work your way up to him, you believe in him that he did this for you. That's all it takes. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. He's not coming to judge you, but to save the world through him. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. God can come in and transform your life. When you say this, when you say, I want you to cover me, I want to be forgiven. If you love me that much, then I want to start following you. When you do that, he will come into your life, and I, it will rock your world. That's what happened in my life. He will change you. There are 100 people in this church that have experienced the exact same thing, and God wants to do that. He wants to forgive you and come into your life today. And so... For those of you that are sitting here and you just, maybe even you just feel God speaking in your heart right now like, yes, God, this is what I'm looking for. I, I need this. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to be forgiven, to go to heaven, to start a relationship with him. Because I believe this is the most important decision of every single person's life. Right? It's not where you go to college, who will you marry, right? Because life is like this and then billions and billions of years. And so the most important decision you'll make in your life is where am I going to be for the next three trillion years, right? And I just want to give you a decision to say, God, I want to follow you if that's who you are. And so let's just do this. Let's just have, just for a minute, would everybody in the room, would you just kind of bow your head and just close your eyes? Because I just want this to be a special moment between you and God with nobody else just looking at you or anything. If I'm talking to you this morning and you want to tell God today for the first time You've just never done this in your life before. That you believe that he loved you first. That he sent his own son for you. And that you want to be forgiven today. That you want to follow him and go to heaven. If you want to let him into your life right now, if that's you that needs to make that decision, in just a second, I'm actually going to ask you to just quietly stand up where you're at. Just as a way to draw the line in the sand for your life. And no, 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 today, September 23rd, I believe. I just believe. I'm going to let you cover me, and I'm going to start following you. D don't, don't, don't think about, oh, no, people might be looking at, at me. That's why I just had everybody close their eyes. It's just a way for you to say, no, this is my moment to just let God back in my life, or maybe for the first time, to believe that he died for you. This is how we're forgiven. This is how we go to heaven. This is how we start a relationship with him. So wherever you are in this room, if I'm talking to you, and you know that today is the day that you need to say, I need this, I need to be covered, I, I need to follow. Would you just quietly stand wherever you are right now and just accept that gift of forgiveness from God? Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead. Awesome. Amen. Awesome.
Thank you. And you can keep standing as others join you. Awesome. This is the most important decision of your life. Awesome. If you just feel it in your heart right now, and you know, oh man, I need to do this, then just follow that stand. I sometimes tell people that if, if you feel like God is maybe nudging you, like, oh, it's me, I should do this, I should do this. If God himself, if God of the universe is nudging you in your heart, then obey that now and follow him and just stand. Is there anyone else that needs to join these people to say, I, I just got to follow? Yes, amen. Anyone else? Let me give you just another 10 seconds or so. If that's you, would you just surrender to God, this God who loves you first, no matter where you've been. Anyone else? Awesome. Amen. If you are standing right now, I just, I, I want to pray with you. Uh, we believe that at this point in our lives that we, this is a time for us to just speak to God and to say, uh, here's what I'm feeling, God. This is not a magic prayer, but a prayer to just say, God, this is where I'm at. And so I just want you to repeat after me, whether you're believing this for the first time or for those of you that you've already believed before, you can repeat this after me as well. We'll just tell God what we're thinking right now. So you repeat after me. Dear God, I confess to you that I've sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place that you love me first. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with all my life. Uh, as everyone still has their eyes closed, I just want to talk to the number of you that are standing for just another 30 seconds. I believe that you just made the most important decision of your life. And if you make a decision like that, I believe that requires some more information. <laughs> so w what I want to do is, in just a second, one of our leaders is going to come up here and pray. But right before he does that, I need you to just very quietly just kind of sneak out of your row, uh, head towards the hallway. I'm going to go out there with you for just a minute or two. And I just want to give you some more important information. On what do you do next? Now that you made this decision, what, what, what comes next? And... Even if you feel like today, by the way, that you made this decision in your heart, but you're not the type of the person that stands in a room like this, just sneak out. While everyone still has their eyes closed, just sneak out with us too, and I'd love to just give you those resources. And I promise you, you're going to be able to sneak right back in your row. So our, our leader is going to come up here and pray, um, but there's a, a whole number of you that are standing, so uh, while people have their eyes closed and are praying, let's just, the group of us, go out there together, and then you'll be able to sneak back in. Lord God, thank you so much for your love that even though we wander, some of us even fight you, some of us just ignore you, that you never stop searching for us, you never stop loving us, no matter what we've done or what we will do, you still love us and you still pursue us, Lord. That is an amazing thing. And I'm so thankful that some of us realize that today. And I pray that you would just bless the rest of us, that we would continue to uh, feel that love from you, even if maybe we're still not looking for you right now. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.